Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Malachi chapter 3. You good? Malachi 3 verse 2. Now this is a messianic text. This is speaking of Jesus when Jesus comes. And this is what it says, verse 2. But who will be able to endure when he comes? Now, this is talking about the first coming of Jesus. Uh, A better way to read that is who will be able to stand against him when he comes? Who will be able to resist? Who will be able to endure it when he comes? Who will be able to stand and face him when he appears? For he will be like a blazing fire. Remember, Jesus said, I baptize you with fire. He will be like a blazing fire that refines metal. Or like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. He will sit like a refiner of silver. Very important, verse 3. He will sit like a refiner of silver, burning away the draws. Everybody say impurities. That's what draws is. He will purify the Levites, refining them like gold and silver. So that they may once again offer acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. I read a story this week about some women that were having a Bible study and they ran across this passage of scripture where where he starts talking about the silver, verse three, when he will sit like a refiner of silver. And so one of the women from the Bible study said, what what does that mean? And so she researched, she probably pulled out the yellow pages and she found a a guy that works with silver, a silversmith. And she went to the silversmith and, and sat down and watched him as he began to refine the silver. And she said that there was a couple of things that happened in the course of time as she sat and watched this man refine this silver. The first thing that they do is, is when they get silver, silver doesn't look like what it looks like on a ring or, or jewelry. It's got black stuff in it and it's kind of ugly. But what would happen is, is this silversmith would get this silver with his tools and he would put the silver in the furnace, this fire, and begin to burn that fire. And as he began to burn that fire, some of the draws or the impurities would kind of rise to the top. And as that would happen, he would pull out another tool and he would scrape off all the impurities and all the junk that rose to that silver. But one of the things that the silversmith would do is he stood there the whole time. He stood there carefully watching as the draws was pushed away, making sure that the silver wasn't in the fire too long lest it damage it. And, and then he, she asked him, she said, well, how do you know when the silver is ready? And he said, you know the silver is ready when I can see my reflection. You know, when the Lord is refining us, it's not, and it's not comfortable, right? It's extremely uncomfortable. But this is the beauty of it, is God is standing there, and he is watching us, and he's making sure that you don't get burned, And he's looking and he's going to finish his work and his goal, listen, his goal in your life, his goal in my life through the the struggles that we go through, through the refining, his goal is that we look just like Jesus until he looks at our lives and he says, I can see you in my life. And isn't that what Romans chapter eight, verse 29 says this, it said, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. So God has a destiny for you. We're like, yes, I love that. Lord, I want to know your plan for my life. My plan for your life is that you look like Jesus. That is God's plan for you, that we would look like Jesus. And that is the cry of all of us. Lord, make me like Jesus. Isn't that 
What we cry out, isn't that what we want? Lord, I want to be like Jesus. I want to serve like Jesus. I want to love like Jesus. I want to burn like Jesus. And that is exactly what your heavenly father is doing with every difficulty that comes into your life, with every struggle, every bit of tension that you struggle. God is using those things to make you look just like Jesus. Say that. Say, he's making me like Jesus. Now, it's not always a comfortable process, is it? It's not always comfortable, but he is making us like Jesus, pure like Jesus, motivated like Jesus, holy like Jesus, and victorious like Jesus. That's how God is making you. But how? How are we refined? How does God refine us? What does that look like when we say, Lord, refiner's fire? How does God refine us? Well, the first way that God refines you is through the gospel. God refines you through the gospel. He, he clothes you with his righteousness. He makes you like the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And he refines our nature. He re-identifies re, re us as royal citizens of the kingdom of God. It's what he does through the gospel. Through the gospel, you're the righteousness of God. Not by your good deeds. It's the good news. And so God is refining you through the good news. The second way that God refines our life is through the presence of the Holy Spirit. He leads us, he directs us, he guides us, he convicts us, he corrects us. What is he doing? He's making us like Jesus. The third way that we're refined is through trials and tests. Oh, we don't like to talk about that too much, do we? But through the testing of your faith, God is developing you. Come on, through the struggles, through the tension, right? Whenever you have the scriptures in front of you and you're wrestling through them, what is, what is happening in that moment? Why are you so uncomfortable? Because being in the center of the flame is uncomfortable. But God is making you like Jesus. And it's important when we get before the word of God, and I know this isn't exactly this point, but it's important when we get before the word of God that we allow the word, not how we identify to the word, but how the word transforms our life. Not how we think that the word should be identified. Come on. The word is what it is. We were talking about this in, in, a, in our equipping class this last Wednesday night, that the word of God is the objective word of God. It doesn't matter what your view on the word of God is. The word of God transforms you. You don't change the word. It's objective. It's true. Because it's objective, it's subjective. But if, only, if it's only subjective, then it's, then it's really not the word of God. Come on. But the other thing that really transforms our life is this thing called trials. We go through difficulties. And a lot of times trials come and we blame the devil. What's the devil? Or we go, well, the trials are God. God's trying me. Well, God doesn't test you. Come on, God doesn't, God doesn't tempt you, right? God does test you, but God doesn't tempt you. And God is making you like Jesus. And that's difficult. And how many know that Jesus, even Jesus was tested? Come on, if Jesus was tested, you're not gonna get out of it. Right? So let the testing refine you. What happens when you fail the test? You have to take it again. Or you don't move to the next thing. Right? If you don't pass the test, then you don't get to go to the next level. Some of you have been stuck at the same level for five years. Why? Because you can't pass the test. Because you won't look like Jesus in that zone of your life. And isn't that what we do? We have our areas. Well, I'm doing really good in this area, but not so good in this area. Why, why aren't I growing? Because God wants to develop that area. 
and it's uncomfortable. But he's making us like Jesus. Amen? The fourth way that God refines us is through this thing called judgment. Everybody say judgment. judgment. I thought about doing a whole series on this, and maybe we will later. The refining that is happening in our life does not end when this life is over. There will be a re, a, an eternal refining of who we are. This is, again, this isn't something we talk a lot about in church. There's two judgments. Everybody say two judgments. Now, most of the time, we only talk about the first judgment. And this is what we call the great white throne judgment, Revelation chapter 20. And this is where every person, every person that's ever lived will stand before God. And he's going to ask you this question, why should I let you into heaven? What is your answer? When you stand before God on that great day, when we die and we stand before God, we'll stand at this great white throne and God's going to go, why should I let you in? What will your answer be? You will be acquitted or condemned. Understand judgment and condemnation are two different things. That's very important for you to know, especially in our culture that's like, oh, you're judging, you're judging, you're judging. Actually, you're supposed to judge all things. Scripture tells us that. Not to condemn, right? right? We'll talk about that in a minute. The right answer, listen, the right answer to this question, and God might not ask it exactly like that, but but the idea is God will go, why should you get in? And the right answer will be indicative of what you did with Jesus. It won't be your good deeds. It won't be because you served well. It won't be because you raised a good family. It won't be because you were a good moral citizen. It will be based upon one thing. What did you do with Jesus? So when we all stand before God, we're going to stand before him and we can come to him and go, well, this is what I've done. Look at what I've done with our life. Or we can go, well, this is what I did with Jesus. Because your good deeds and your works do not measure up to God's righteousness. Romans 8 says this, no condemnation to those that are what? In Christ Jesus. Listen, if you're not in Christ Jesus, you're already condemned on that day. Because you've blown it. I've blown it. I can, I'm condemned on that day. Except 2,000 years ago, Jesus came. While I was a sinner, while we were sinners, Christ came. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. So the only way that you get into heaven at that day is to be as righteous as God is. And the only way that you can be as righteous as God is, is accept the gospel, the pure, perfect gift of Jesus Christ and yield your life to that. Then you pass that judgment. Most of us, that's the only grid for judgment we have in our lives at the end. However, there is a second judgment awaiting those that pass the first judgment. Those that don't pass the first Judgment will be put in an eternal fire, as it talks about in Revelation. We call this hell. Why? Because you broke God's standard, and it's what you deserve, and God is just. It's not because he's mean. It's because he's just. There's a standard to get into his heaven. How are you going to get in? God's just. We want to talk, oh, the love of God, the love of God, the love of God. Listen, the love of God is not 
pure unless it's just. You get no love without justice. Let's just be real. But there is a second judgment. This is called many times through scripture. There is a ton. In fact, I spent more time getting rid of scripture than I did finding scripture for today's message because there is so much. Not getting rid of, but, but, right, not using. Yeah, let's correct that. Thank you, baby. Thank you. Told y'all y'all wouldn't like it today. Okay. This is called the judgment seat of Christ. Now that word judgment, everybody say judgment. And in the Greek is the word krima, which is this, a decision resulting from investigation. You make judgments every day, don't you? Right? What am I going to pick for breakfast? We'll see. Cereal boxes, right? Bacon, easy choice, right? So a decision resulting from an investigation. When we hear the word judgment, we think condemnation. I want you to stop thinking like that. You need to stop that. Only God will judge me. That's not a good place to be unless you're in Christ. And people will judge you, by the way, in the sense of condemn you. Right? You make decisions how you raise your kids, where you send them to school, what you watch on television, the music you listen to. Judgments. Those are judgments. Decisions based upon investigation. I've looked. I've studied. I've made this judgment. Judgment is not a bad word. Judge not lest you be judged. Lest you be judged, judge not. Go, go read that scripture in this whole entire passage and read about how we are called to judge and test things. We are called to do that. God wants you to investigate. God wants you to discover. He doesn't want you to be condemning. Are we good? Okay. So I, I hate how that word has been so polluted because people don't know what they're talking about. And then unspiritual people, isn't that funny how like, People that don't even care about serving God love that scripture. <laughs> judge not, lest you be judged. So are we going by a biblical standard here or what's going to happen? Because if we want, we can talk about a biblical standard. Yeah. Let's get to the gospel. Yeah. Okay. Um, the second judgment only happens if you pass the first judgment. Uh, last week, um, we, had, we purchased some tickets to a trip that we've been planning for several months. We purchased some tickets. Make sure Elisa's not in here. She'll be asking thousands of questions. We purchased tickets to Disney World in Florida. Yeah, super excited about it. So we get to go to Disney World. I mean, it's happening, right? I mean, we got the gas money saved. We've, we've got, we've, we've got it. We, we, we're borrowing a timeshare. So we get to go. Like, the trip is paid for. However, if we don't have any money when we get there, the experience isn't going to be that awesome, right? It's like we show up, it's like the kids are like, what are we going to eat? Well, guys, sorry, we don't really have anything to eat because we spent all the money on gas and the tickets, which are way stupid expensive, way stupid. So what are we going to do when we get to Disney World if we don't have any money? If we haven't invested, if we haven't saved, if we haven't put away for this trip, how good will the trip be? It'll still be awesome. We'll still get to wave at Mickey, right? We'll still get to go see some shows. We'll still get to participate in some things. But won't the experience be so much better if we put some money away and be able to spend when we get there? Be able to eat at a restaurant that we actually want to and not have to go to Taco Bell for every meal, right? Or eat from the McDonald's dollar meal? Dollar menu? We don't want, nobody wants that. Maybe you do, not me. 
But the experience is better if we prepare for the experience. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10. Everybody say the judgment seat of Christ. So you pass this one. You get into Disney World. You're in. You pass the first judgment. However, how will you spend your time at Disney World? Now, Disney World is lame as compared to heaven, right? As amazing as it'll be, maybe some of you know. <laughs> some of you think Chris, uh, heaven is going to be like Disney World. I hate to break it to you. It's not going to be anything like Disney World. It's going to be way better, but it's not going to be about your entertainment. Okay, second Corinthians, you're not going to, uh, the other thing you're not going to have is a little heart, unless you don't invest for it. If you don't invest for heaven, you might just get a little cloud and a harp. You don't become angels when you go to heaven. There's all this weird theology out there. Second Corinthians 5.10, for we, now this is talking to Christians. This is us. This is the follower of Christ. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Who? Us. Who's he talking to? The church. I don't like what Pastor Josh said. Well, you don't like what Paul said. You don't like what the Bible says. You don't like what God said. Right here. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and each one may receive what is due to him. For him, the things he done, he, he, the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So you get in. And that's all we ever focus on. I get in. I'm going to heaven. Everybody's going to be on the same level playing field when we get to heaven. Not true. Not true. Everybody's not going to have the same mansion in heaven. You might want to do a little studying on that anyway. Everybody's not going to have the same reward when they get to heaven. We don't get the same thing. Because we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and he's going to say, what did you do with the life in Jesus? Not did you just, what did you do when you accepted Jesus, but what did you do with the life? The first judgment has to do with where we spend eternity, and if we pass that test, we'll be judged on how we will spend eternity. Y'all all right? I know you haven't heard a lot of, some of y'all like, what? I've never heard about this. Just, now that you know when you read the scripture, you're going to see it all over the place. We are justified and made righteous by placing our faith in Jesus. But we'll stand in judgment for our works, for our words, and for our motives. Not condemned, but judged, but tested, but refined. Beloved, this will be the most important meeting for all eternity for us. We will stand before Jesus and he's going to go, what did you do with your life after you accepted me. You're in. You're in Disney World, but what did you do? What did you do with your words? What did you do with your actions? What did you do with, see, it matters. If there is no reward, then it doesn't matter what we do after we accept Christ. Are you getting this? It matters. It's the most important meeting we'll ever have. We'll stand before you and I'll go, all right, what you got? What did you bring with you? Y'all okay? Matthew 12, 36. And I tell you this, you must give an account. This is Jesus. New Testament, covenant, Jesus. 
I tell you the truth, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. Every word, every motivation. Not our good intentions, but our careful attention to the choices we make. Let me help you out. The word in the Greek is the word bema or bema. If you like the word bema, you can use it that way. The bema or the bema seed of Christ. And what this is, is a picture of a judge at the Olympics. You guys know when you go to the Olympics and they have a judge at the end, right? That passes out medals and they get on their different tiers and they get awarded for how well they did in the Olympics. This is what the judgment judgment seat of Christ will look like. We will stand before the Lord and he's gonna pass out medals. He's gonna put some on platforms. I want a platform. Maybe you don't want one, but I want one. 1 Corinthians 3, it's quiet. On the day of judgment, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any, has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive the reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will, su- builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. That's your Bible to the church, to you and I. The worker is us. Y'all okay today? Let me be very clear. The purpose is not punishment. The purpose is reward. The purpose of the judgment seat of Christ is not punishment. That was the first one. The purpose is reward. What will you have when you get to heaven? Well, man, I just need Jesus. We'll talk about that. (laughs) The punishment will be this. This is what the punishment will be. The feeling of wasted opportunity. The feeling of regret. I don't think you'll feel that forever, but I think at least in the moment, we'll go, dang it. I could have had so much more. It's kind of like an Olympic athlete. And they're standing there and they remember that week they took off. And they got third place and they could have got second. Or they could have got first. But because they took that time off, because they ate those meals, they didn't get the reward that was available to them. It's going to be burned up. There's going to be a judgment, just like the scripture says. This is your life. Things that are going to be burned up. Your body. Got my little stick figures there? Your body. I know you spent 30 hours at the gym this week and 30 minutes in his presence. Your body's going to be burned up. Let me tell you. You know what one of my dreams is? To have a house with land. Just one of my dreams. But guess what? Your house, it's going to be burned up. Nothing wrong with having houses, but it, it won't endure, endure the fire. Your toys, your $200 purse, your $60,000 truck, 
you don't get to take it with you. All that money, Skrillex, going to be burned up. All your possessions, all your stuff. Remember when Jesus said, take your gifts and give them to the poor? That's the only way that you can keep your possessions is to give them away. And you know what? The biggest, one of the biggest things that we're not going to take with us, all that worry that we have, that we carry around about this stuff. Listen, let me, let me be clear. Jesus wants you to enjoy a promised abundant life on earth, but don't get so caught up in this life. Don't put so much stock in the stuff that it's going to be gone in 70 years. You will have nothing. Oh, I want to leave a legacy for my kids. Great, but it's eventually it's all going to be burned up, even if you give it to your kids. All the stuff you worry about, if it's not kingdom driven, let's be clear on that. Your education, well, I want to be, I want to go to school for 18 years and and waste $200,000 so I can have initials by my name so I can get a good job so I can spend the rest of my life paying for those bills. Those initials aren't going to count in heaven. The only way they're going to count in heaven is if you use that to advance the gospel of the kingdom. That's the only way it's going to matter. Any of it. Any of it. The only way I get to take it with me is if I've used it to advance Jesus. The only way. What are the things that won't be burned up? Investing in my kids. Developing their spirituality, not just their popularity. What will remain? The kingdom investment. The time I spent, the sacrifices I've made so that Jesus could be seen in my community. The moments that I was driven to be like Jesus. The moments that I held my tongue. The moments when I expressed kindness when someone offended me. That might endure the fire. Fulfilling his will. Even when it's not that lucrative. All that time I spent in his presence ministering to the Lord. Now put it in the fire and what's going to be left? When we stand before God, he will reward us to those things that have eternal value. God's the stuff will not matter. Some people will like make a big deal about tithing. Well, does God permit tithing? Seriously? Like you really want to get caught up in how much money you can keep in your bank account? How much are you going to have when you get to heaven? <laughs> it's good. It gets it. Good job there, Dad. Good job. That's right. I want to help you today. Y'all okay? Because I know this can come across condemning. It's not condemning. It's It's reality. And hopefully I'm not coming across in a condemning way. But listen, we need to have a mindset of an eternal perspective. An eternal mindset. Listen, mindset. let me give you some mindsets that will enlarge our eternal perspective. How many of you guys want a better? I, I know I do. I want a better eternal perspective. Listen, heaven is not the finish line. It's the starting line. Heaven is not the finish line. It's the starting line. When you die, it's not the end. It's the beginning. 
What did you do to invest in that? What did you do to prepare for that race? Let me give you a little perspective. Let's just be real quiet. Ready? Go. Wasn't that uncomfortable? He's going to say something, right? That was 10 seconds. 10 seconds. That's, it felt like a lot longer than that. Yeah. You're the whole message to us. Listen. 10 seconds. That 10 seconds is like 10,000 years in eternity. Why? Do we freak out so much about this stuff and put so much little emphasis on this? James says it this way, that life is a vapor. Enlarge your eternal perspective. How do we do that? Well, number one, this is the first mindset is this. Realize that he is a rewarder. God is a rewarder. It's in his nature. Remember when he showed up to Abraham? Genesis 15, 1. He said, I am your great and exceeding reward. Other words, I came to reward you. This is what I'm here for. I'm here to give you a prize because it's who I am. I'm a giver. God is a giver, but not just a giver, a rewarder. It's part of his nature. He, listen, he is eager to reward it's in, it's in his nature. He wants you. Jesus says this in Revelation 22. He says, look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. What is he bringing? The reward. He's eager to reward you. Listen, our mindset is that God is eager to condemn us. No, he's eager to reward you. But there's this thing in scripture called full reward. And partial reward. Second John 1.8. You with me? Watch out. This is intense. Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked so hard to achieve. Well, what does that tell us? That means that we can lose what we've worked for. That's sobering. Be diligent so that you will receive a full reward. If there's a full reward, then there must also be a partial reward. And there must also be a no reward, especially if you can lose what you've worked for. Huh? Not salvation. That's right. We're talking about this second judgment. Our prayer is on earth as it is in heaven. Our reward will be in heaven how it was on the earth. That's how your reward will be. So our prayer, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's our prayer. That's, our, that's not just our prayer. That's our motto. That's our lifestyle. Lord, on earth as it is in heaven. When we get to heaven, our reward will be how was it on earth. Y'all okay? Some might say this. Let me, let me deal with this mindset. I don't need a reward. Jesus is my reward. It will be enough to be in his presence. Well, that's great. But don't you know that it's his good pleasure to reward you? 
So if you really want to please the Lord and Jesus is your reward, then don't you want him to, to do the thing that he loves to do? He loves to reward. He wants to reward you. But the fact is this. He doesn't give participation trophies. All the guys that participated today didn't get a trophy. Only Noah. Because he put the work in. And besides that, what are you going to do in eternity? What are you, you going to give Jesus then? You know, there's this thing that we, another thing that we don't talk about. You know, we, God will recreate the earth in a very real sense. It'll be called the new heavens and the new earth. You guys have ever read that? And we will come back to earth and we will rule. This, this isn't weird. Just read your Bible. We will rule for a thousand years. It's called the millennial reign. We're gonna, God will set up camp, Jesus will be on the throne, and he's going to let people rule the earth, people that follow Jesus. Our position in that ruling, as we're talking about how we rule and reign with Christ, will be according to how we live this life. So we are investing in the afterlife now. What will you have? Well, it's just the Lord's enough, but it's not enough for him. He wants to reward you. The reason why he wants, one of the reasons why he wants you to make good choices is so he can reward you. How will you honor him in heaven? What will you have to give him then? Are y'all okay? I know this is heavy, but let's, let's just be real. Again, it doesn't have to do with punishment. Let me make that very clear. Let me drop that point home so you don't leave this place in fear and angry. It has to do with reward. So number one, is he is a rewarder. Number two, is he sees. This is so important. He sees. And I don't mean like in the Santa Claus way, he sees you when you're sleeping so he can make sure that he doesn't reward you. No, no, no. He sees and he rewards the little. He rewards the little. Remember this, Matthew 6, 4. Your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. See, God sees. That prayer time that you have that nobody else sees. He sees it. And it matters. And you might not even see the fruit of it in this life. But in, the heaven, in, in heaven, you have a reward. See, the sacrifices we make now are the rewards later. The sacrifices we make now are the rewards later. Purity. Faithfulness generosity, when we're inconvenienced to do the right thing, when we press into his presence, but we didn't feel it, he sees it. The prayer session that you prayed, the lesson that you taught your kids, when you got up and you drug yourself to church when you didn't feel like coming, he sees. When you gave to a homeless man, even though it was only two bucks and it's all you had, he sees that. When you went on a missions trip and you gave two weeks of your life or six months of your life, he sees that. Even though you might not even see any fruit. Whenever you were at Walmart and you could tell the woman was discouraged and you encouraged her and there wasn't a changed life, he sees and he rewards. When you memorize scripture and you felt like it didn't matter, he sees. That time when you held your tongue, when everything in you wanted to say it, he sees. And he rewards. And he rewards the little. Character counts. 
My God is a rewarder. My God is a rewarder. And he wants to reward you. But he does not reward nothing. He's just. So stop measuring your success by the temporary. Man, I'm praying and I'm not seeing anything happening. I'm faithful in my giving. My finances aren't. He sees. And my God is a rewarder. And he will reward you. And he will reward your faithfulness. Number three, invest now. I mean, you know, we don't follow our heart. We lead our heart. You know, your five to 10 year plan is not impressive to God. He is not impressed. We're like, man, I've got my vision, state, all this stuff is great. It's all great. It's good. God wants, God wants you to, to be productive. He wants you to experience abundant life. But a lot of it just isn't going to matter when we stand in eternity. Your five to 10 year plan isn't impressive to God. Should you have that? I think so. I think you should know where you want to be in 20 years. But what is more urgent is your 10,000 year plan. Hustle. Get your butt to work because payday is coming. Payday is coming. We don't want to get there and look at our paycheck and go, I thought I was going to get more. Well, the thing is, is I saw, you know, most of that time you were clocked in, but you were actually in the back sitting around on your phone. You know, you were more, exce- you were more impressed by the approval that you had on your post on Facebook than you were about my approval in this area of your life. So, I mean, that's why your paycheck's so I wanted to give you more, but you didn't care about that until now. Now, what we do with our paycheck? Well, I thought I was going to get more. Then Uncle Sam got a hold of it. Right? When we came to Jesus, we clocked in. So let's get to work. Let's get to work. Let's start investing in the things that matter. Nothing wrong with having a $60,000 truck. In fact, you should buy me one. That's awesome. I think, listen, I think God wants to prosper you financially. I think he wants to, I mean, he did that to Abraham. There are rewards that we will accept in this life, but some of it just won't move over into it. In fact, if you want to keep that truck, you'll need to give it to me. And if I want to keep it, I'll have to give it away. That's just the way it is. Word to somebody. But, but I would be the best candidate for that. Y'all all right? Listen. He is a rewarder, but does not reward nothing. No participation trophies in heaven. You get an identity. We get that. We're children of God. We're royalty. It's gonna, heaven is going to be amazing even if we don't get rewards. It'll be incredible. It'll be beyond what we could ever imagine. But I would rather have more to give there. I'd rather have something, whenever I have crowns to give Jesus, I don't want to just give him one. Because that's what we're going to do with it, man. We're just all going to give it back to the Lord. But I don't want to be in heaven empty-handed. This is why I give my life for the call. This is why I give my life to do the will of God. 
Not because it's always easier and convenient or emotionally healthy. Because it's not. But I can tell you what, one day I'm going to stand before God and he's going to go, well done, that faithful servant. Not, well, you get in because of Jesus. And a regret in his eye that he wanted to give me more, but I did not invest myself into his kingdom. Matthew 6, 19, don't store up for yourself treasures here on earth where moth eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. This is exactly what he's talking about. Where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. It doesn't say follow your heart. Wherever your heart will be. No, no, no. It's talking about leading your heart. Well, my heart's just not in it. How about you lead your heart where your treasure is? You know, how, you know how you get your heart there? You invest yourself there. Your heart will follow where you're invested. Where you put your time, where you put your words, where you put your money, where you put your energy, your heart will follow that. <laughs>